Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Has <coughs> excuse me, has NASA really hired a bunch of theologians to prepare people for extraterrestrial contact? Are people who have life issues more likely to have negative paranormal experiences? Can there be ghosts of cows and chickens? Uh, I'll do Ben's line. Welcome to the 900, uh, excuse me, good grief. Welcome to the 927th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, coming to you from WOON AM and FM radio in Woonsocket. This is sabotage. In Woonsocket, Rhode Island. There we are. On the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live, on YouTube and via TuneIn.com, those are uh, some important questions for our open line show today. Our distinguished guest, uh, who was scheduled, uh, the renowned Tom Dongo, had to reschedule. So we will bring you an impromptu open line show today. Uh, first of all, a very happy new year, I think, uh, to all our great listeners. 2022, what could go wrong? Wish everyone the best for this year. Let's, uh, let's try and make it a good one. We always have plenty of listener questions, however, so let's let's get started here. Now, we had a slew of questions about the headline that has been around for the last week or so about NASA, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, hiring, uh, quote-unquote hiring, 24 theologians in order to study public reaction to the revelation of extraterrestrial life and what the result could be, and what they should do about it. Okay, now l- let's put that in perspective. Um, ben, can I have those notes, please? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Now, <clears throat> this has been going, th- this is nothing new. In 2014, uh, NASA gave 1.1 million beans to a group called the um, Center of Theological Inquiry, or CTI, at Princeton University in New Jersey. Uh, now, CTI, which has exi- existed since 1978, uh, tends to do a number of things. It sets up various think tanks. Uh, their big one at the moment is Religion and the Environment. And uh, again, in 2014, NASA was interested in this. And um, I don't know, Ben, they're, they're, it's nothing new. Uh, they have not uh, disappeared into some uh, secret underground base to uh, contemplate uh, the theological implications of ETs. Uh, what they are uh, doing or, or will be doing or have been doing is to uh, simply consider the question of extraterrestrial life and what um, many of the things we've discussed on this show and we were on uh, Meanwhile Here on Earth with Peter Robbins, our good friend, uh, to discuss this with a couple of, of theologians, uh, you know, what, what does it mean uh, if uh, they suddenly reveal that there is extraterrestrial life? Will it wreck people's religious beliefs? Well, I don't know. My thought on that is no. First of all, people's religious beliefs are all over the map. Uh, I, I don't. The, the CTI tends to be rather left wing. I don't know if they have any evangelical people involved or any orthodox clergy involved or theologians um, because the evangelicals and I, I, I love many of them I, I have relatives who are evangelicals they, they will always think that aliens are demons 
you know, whatever that may mean. Uh, they are not open to this at all, and they are a large part of at least the American religious community. And if you're going to deal with uh, the question of aliens, then you're going to have to uh, consider that. Uh, so it's not going to wreck their religious beliefs. They'll just deny it. Uh, other groups, I don't see any problem with that. We, we've talked about that ad nauseum on the show. Ben, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? Well, I guess the, the first question would be is um, what do we mean by the um, wrecking of religious beliefs? And I, I've, I've, always, I've always heard that statement, and I've never quite understood what that means because it's, it's like, okay, well, I I I want to understand what that statement yeah, means. Yeah, I don't really. It doesn't. Either. It doesn't. It doesn't make a lot of sense because it's like, oh, it'll ruin your religious beliefs, and it's like, okay, well, what do you mean, right? Everyone has different religious beliefs, and it's like, you know, you could um, you you could take the whole, oh, well, everyone believes the same thing approach, which you know, I I personally don't believe is true. I I I'd think if that if that argument was was true, then I don't know. We won't we won't go down that road. Um, I, I do, I do think that there's a really interesting thing in, in at least American society, in how religion developed here, right? You know, let's let's go with, I guess, I don't know, um, the the sort of pursuit of religious freedom, whether it was from the Puritans or anybody else who came over from the old world, quote unquote, um, and what they brought along with them, and how it kind of developed in America. You know, there was a really interesting tradition for a long time, and it still kind of exists in the civil religion where America's kind of like the new Eden, and it, it, it functions as sort of this promised land or or whatever, you know, um, from sea to shining, shining sea, you know, from, you know, a, any of the old patriotic songs, if you listen to them, they sound really religious. Mm. And it's it's like, okay, so we know that this is, you know, manifest destiny, right? You know, stuff like that, right? Some of the terms that we even use sound very religious in nature. And the way that it developed in America is super interesting because you see it interwoven with politics, too. And you see it today, right? You know, you if, if someone says, I don't know, the very broad term that says, well, I'm a Christian, you know, immediately it's assumed, okay, well, they're a Republican, Right. Or, you know, it's not always the case. Or they're evangelical. Or they're evangelical. Yeah. You know, the, the Bible-believing Christians, all that sort of Which thing. Which is not always the case, because no. there's, there's what, like, according to the, what was it, the, like, the census, there's, like, 280,000, like, different versions of things that call themselves Christian. Oh, that was Christian. the United Nations. United there Nations. Are, there are over 20,000. 20,000. Christian groups that call themselves based on the Bible. Right, that's the one. I'm sorry, I got my that's in the world. got my numbers way off there. But it's it's crazy. So it's it's like I, a lot of problems is uh, one of the problems I think is okay. Well, what does it mean by people's religious beliefs? And the other thing is well, how how religion is treated by by the scientific community and by the historic community is it's kind of like a tack on, right? So it's like uh, let's let's look at I don't know. Um, Egyptology, right? Um, let's let's say that Egyptology is a really odd field. I probably shouldn't have picked that. Let's not go <laughs> with that. Let's go with like Rome, right? So you know the Roman Empire was all over the place, and you, know, you still see their structures all over the place in Europe. Whatever. Um, the first thing that someone will say about it is, well, they were super practical people, right? You know, they built these roads, all roads lead to Rome, they do, they, they built it so troops could move faster, They had, but there were temples, right? And it was like, well, yes, they had temples. You know, they would do festivals, nobody really cared about it, though. 
And it's like... Well, they, they were very devout. Well, pagan is a modern Western word, but I mean, there, there were many uh, devoted followers of the Roman religions. Right, but it's a tack-on. It's not the center of their society. It's a you, it's sort of tacked on on the end. Oh, and by the way, they were pagans. You know, but it was a huge part of how they existed. You know, before any of the Roman legions would go into battle, they'd sacrifice a bull, and that they do it every time. You know, and it was you know Constantine even made comments about it because he thought it was gross. And, and there's there's all these really interesting little portions of their society that were a really big deal. And you know, it's just sort of tacked on at the end. And you see that with a lot of things in antiquity, but also in the rest of the world, right? You know, if you look at anybody's studies of you know, the, uh, like, you know, the, the Middle Ages. A lot of it was politics, right? There's a lot of politics involved and whatever, but it was like, you know, the, the church was a big deal in in Europe and the rest of the world. And it was like, you know, it's just treated as a tack-on. So how how we view history is thanks to our, our wonderful German friends, 19th century German friends, who viewed all history as, well, it's just class conflict. You know, it's all ultimately, you know, the the masses, you know, trying to seize the means of production. That's literally all history is. And I was taught that at one point too, and I was like, yeah, surprisingly, huh? Um, in college, and I won't go into detail about that. Yeah. But it was like all 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 history is just class conflict. Um, which is is you know you can't you can't know the essence of historical events just like you can't know the essence. Of UFOs or aliens and other worlds, we we uh, we we don't know, and so it's so I think I think the the major assumption is that oh yeah well we should put this together and it's just going to be a tack on, and it's going to change people's religious beliefs, and I, I don't think people really. I, I, I've, I've asked this question to many people on our show over the years, and it's like well what about you know regular you know Joe Schmo down the street? How is this going to affect him? And the usual answer is, well, uh, we don't know. And it's because most people, seventy-five percent of Americans, believe there's life on other planets, and they're, you know, that was a that was a Pew Research poll, yeah, that, oh, yeah. that came out yeah. a few years ago. I think that was twenty nineteen, and it was like, so I mean, most people be- believe in it, you know, whether they believe it's it's demons or, or whatnot, you know, they believe it's there, and uh, ultimately how they deal with it is is down to their in- individual experience. Well, I agree, but uh, just to get into a little more detail with this, uh, the study that was funded by NASA was called The Societal Implications of Astrobiology, again, from this uh, CTI, or uh, Center of Theological Inquiry. Now, other studies that I've read anyway have shown that there are links between people who are religious and belief in extraterrestrial intelligence, you know, with the exception of the evangelicals, pretty much. And uh, that's kind of a blanket uh, statement, but I think it's it's I've I've found it pretty much to be true. Uh, <clears throat> on the other hand, I've I've known plenty of atheists who are very open to extraterrestrial intelligence uh, as, as just just a sort of a fact. Now you look at the size, the incomprehensible size of the universe, let alone the multiverse, and you look at the age of it. If it were younger, I suppose you could make an argument from a theological perspective, that we are the first, the seed, and we're meant to spread out across, you know, the galaxy or whatever. But with the tremendous age of the multi, I mean, you could have billions and billions and billions of races and civilizations that could have risen and fallen in all that time. Um, and I think 
one of the mistakes uh, you don't want to make in astrobiology, which is the study of theoretical extraterrestrial life, uh, is that you don't want to assume it's like us. And you yourself, Ben, have pointed that out many times to many of our guests, mm. some of whom are <clears throat> you know, eminent names in the field, who didn't seem to consider the idea that aliens would be aliens. They wouldn't necessarily have our motivations, except perhaps for survival. So, well, because we only view reality through how we experience exactly. it. Exactly. So we're always saying that we put labels on things that we can understand. So anyway, there was research published in 2017 and found that uh, people with a strong desire to find meaning in their lives, but a low adherence to particular religions, are more likely to believe that aliens exist. So that kind of... So you've got all kinds of different people who would believe in this. Um, so that faith in either theory may come from some human impulse that, that that's deeper. You know, I mean, I, I don't have any problem with that. But the fact is that I don't think it's really gonna, going to do it. Now, one of the people we'd love to get on the show is um, a theologian from Cambridge University in England, uh, Reverend Dr. Andrew Davison. He's a priest of the Church of England. But before that, he was a scientist. He had PhDs. Ph.D. in natural sciences, and later we got a Ph.D. in theology. So you'd think he's a, kind of the perfect guy to be recruited by CTI, and he has been. So uh, we're going to try to get him on the show. Um, there's he, One of his uh, books that's coming out in 2022 is called Astrobiology and Christian Doctrine, and he's supposed to cover part of what CTI is doing in this NASA project, and... Uh, his, quote, most significant question is how theologians would respond to the notion, quote, of there having been many incarnations of Christ in the universe. Now, to me, that's kind of, you know, there there isn't much that I can't listen in an open-minded way to an argument for, but that, to me, is a little bizarre. It's kind of a misunderstanding of the whole Christ event, as Christians call it. And uh, I, I just, I mean... I have heard that before. They have different races of different planets who needed savings, so there would be Christ events that would be going on. But, I, you know, I mean, this is why see, we have a whole lecture program, and we've done whole shows on the idea that um, of which religions could accept extraterrestrials most easily. And oddly enough, we find that the, the two groups that have been in each other's throats for thousands of years, the Muslims and the Orthodox Christians, are the ones who could most easily accept extraterrestrials into their numbers. Because the Orthodox don't have this black spot theory of original sin that Catholics and Protestants have. So you wouldn't need to be baptized. And this is all for, from the, the argumentative points of their theology. They, they wouldn't need to be baptized because they don't have the black spot of original sin which was supposedly created by Adam, et cetera, et cetera. So the Orthodox don't believe it that way, so they could easily baptize aliens. And we were saying that Pope Francis doesn't know his own theology because he has actually said he can't wait to baptize aliens. But they wouldn't need... I mean, you, you, you can go crazy just thinking about this stuff. I mean, personally, I think it's better to have just sort of a simple faith, you know. But I think we're going to have to uh, sort of stay on this and... and we had tons of people writing questions about this for this open line show. That's why we're talking. So now we have a background. Well, we do, yeah. And, and we will continue to cover this as it goes. And I'm trying to find out who the 24 theologians are and get some of them on the show. I, I suspect that I know one of the rabbis who's involved. So, 
we'll just uh, take it from here mm. on that. Indeed we shall. Okay, so let's uh, move on to Haley from Huddle Mills, North Carolina. Yes, and uh, Haley writes to us, uh, I hope you guys don't think I'm crazy. Uh, I think my parents do. But we had a small fire last week in our barn and chicken coop and a cow and some chickens died. I'm very sorry to hear that. Um, luckily, the fire didn't spread and the rest of the property and animals are okay. That's good. Uh, but I swear that I still hear the cows and those chickens. Uh, it can be all hours of, of the day and night. My parents say they don't hear anything. But the animal, other animals won't go near where those others died. Uh, have you even run into this kind of thing before? Uh, if you have, I would sleep e- easier. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Um, uh, this is not new to us. Yes, we have uh, heard of things like that, Haley, um, actually many times. And there seems to me to be uh, there's to be many examples of pet ghosts, if you will, uh, or animal ghosts in, in general. Uh, in the 80s, I w- toward the end of the I, I witnessed, uh, I should say the 70s, I witnessed uh, an amazing phenomenon in Cortland, New York, where these glowing deer literally would walk out of the forest at night. And it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I, I can't explain it. Uh, except in terms of what I would later believe about the multiverse, you know, parallel worlds where all things uh, happen uh, and are possible, and all, all possible creatures exist. But it was absolutely beautiful. It was a spiritual experience. Hmm. Now, I only saw that once, uh, but it was there it was. So, and, and the next day there were no tracks, there was no indication of any uh, actual deer having been there. So, uh, the multiverse is a deep and mysterious place. I what we would say if if that's the explanation and if what you say is is uh, the full story that uh when the animals uh unfortunately were killed in the fire uh there were many worlds close in the world family where they did not get killed in the fire so uh in our areas of overlap and overwash and other terms we've actually had to invent to talk about this stuff, you may very well have um, that going on, and, and you, you're, you're, you're aware of worlds where they that never happened. Uh, we've also talked a lot on the show about phenomena that are witnessed at in the same time and place. <coughs> excuse me, by some people, but not by others who were there too. Uh, so there is a, certainly a personal component. In, in the, the perception of all these things, uh, Ben, any thoughts on that? Um, well, I, I mean, I, I guess anything is 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 possible. Uh, it's um, it is it is. Well, I, I think it's like one of those one of those sort of tragic events that kind of puts a huge dent in in, in space time. I guess so. It sticks sticks yeah. around. Yeah. I mean, um, I've I've encountered spooky things with with animals. Uh, there was one time I was driving down. Um, with with a buddy of mine, it was like one or one or two, must have been like one midnight, one in the morning, something like that. Uh, I was on Route Seven, going down um, towards Smithfield. That's here in Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I remember it was a wicked foggy night, and uh, there was like a there was a little little dog that was just standing like on the side of the road, no owner, no nothing. It was just kind of this dog just standing there, and I was like, that's kind of weird. 
Um, and we were kind of driving a little, little slow because we didn't want to hit it. And it just kind of like stood there and watched us, but then it started following our car. I mean, it could be anything. Right? I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, yeah. it could be anything. But it, and, you know, it could have been a dog just running around. But it was just kind of weird because, you know, didn't, didn't see a collar, didn't bother to stop. I kind of was like, that's kind of weird. I don't want to be around for that. <laughs> and I, I mean, I don't know. It's like, um, it, it's, it's probably one of those things I'd, I'd be curious. If um if there there was like some some like sort of mineral deposits or anything like that, you know North Carolina is kind of a hilly country. Um, I actually don't know where Hurdle Mills. is. Yeah, I don't either. There. I should have looked it up. Not, not really. Whether it's in the mountains or in the right, eastern yeah. Uh, plains. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would I would be curious to to know where it was and what the water levels were and anything like that because you know kind of like all the ducks line up. You know whether it's yeah. something something material or something else like that 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 kind of lends to this sort of experience kind of happening, you know what I mean? Yeah, because also the intent of the question may have been uh, to dis- discern our opinion on whether these are the spirits of these animals that died. Uh, we don't really look at it that way. We don't even think the ghosts of people are necessarily the, the remnants somehow. Uh, we think that it's far more likely that you're, you're uh, dealing with what I said before, looking across the membranes or hearing or sensing across the membranes of parallel worlds. Mm. Membrane is actually a term from physics, uh, and that, that the actual animals are, uh, you're hearing them in world world or, or worlds where they, they never uh, perished in a fire. So that's good, if it's true, and we think it is. Indeed. So that's probably the best way we can answer that. But keep us posted on that, please, Haley. And uh, take a few pictures, see if uh, you can get anything there. And... Uh, uh, I'd like to know more about what your parents, uh, uh, whether they see this or, or hear this at any point. Also, uh, any other things that may be happening around, because as Ben said, if you have geotechnic factors that feed the possibilities for interworld contact, you may have other quote-unquote paranormal things going on there. Mm, so, truly. Yeah. So, uh, what do we have next there, Ben? So, next we have uh, Bud from... Uh, it, forgive me if I mis- if I mispronounce this. Uh, Texarkana, Arkansas. Who? Uh, Texarkana. Re- Texarkana. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. This my, oh, this is a good one. My, 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 my inner yeah. my inner Connecticut person coming out. Uh, <laughs> did you guys hear about the rain of fish uh, we had here on uh, Wednesday, uh, December 29th? I saw it myself and can send you some pictures. Completely crazy. What could cause something like that? Multiverse overlaps? Question mark. Well, Bud, that's uh, obviously you're you're a faithful listener to the show because you know about that stuff. But uh, we'd love to see photos that you have. That I, I have seen photos. I, I did hear about this, and uh, it's probably one of the weirdest things that ha- happens in the paranormal realm or the Fortean realm, F O R T E A N, named after Charles Fort, who was a fellow who uh, of American birth, but he had just enough money to live on, uh, that he could spend most of his time in the British Museum uh, researching weird phenomena that that he was interested in. And so I think that this um, uh, was well documented in many, uh, many cases. Can I see that, please? Because I have some notes on it. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you? Oh, no, no, the the other one. Oh, this one. Yeah. I'll I'll give it back. Don't worry. Sorry. But there have been uh, many documented uh, examples of literally fish falling from the sky, toads, frogs. That even happened over London in 1838. Turtles, ants, worms, 
And some of these creatures were still alive when they hit the ground. Uh, grain, stones, unidentified substances, chemical substances, sometimes along with snow. Uh, there's a biblical precedent, even Exodus 16 talks about the manna uh, falling from heaven, which I, nobody really knows what it was, but uh, had the Ark of the Covenant not been lost, supposedly some of the manna uh, that, that, that was kept in there, uh, too, along with the original tablets of the Ten Commandments, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, <clears throat> whatever that was, we don't really know. But um, in Exodus, it says that people had to gather just the right amount or they'd get zapped because they didn't obey. Uh, now, now that's understandable. And, and on, on Fridays, the day before the Sabbath, they would gather twice as much so they didn't have to go gathering it on the Sabbath. So that was the, the manna in the desert. And supposedly there, there are many, many other examples of things falling from the sky, either good or bad. Uh, <clears throat> rocks would not be good. I can't imagine that would be too safe. No, uh, however, um, fish and frogs and toads and stuff... Well documented here and there. Now the question is, you know, how would that happen? There could be a paranormal explana- explanation, as Bud suggests, with perhaps a multiversal kind of stuff going on, and the energies there. Uh, the uh, <clears throat> One of the earliest theories that, that is quite plausible is that uh, tornadoes and water spouts would pick up uh, populations of fish and frogs and just drop them on the land. Now I've actually heard of uh, I actually know someone who witnessed this. A, a tornado came and across, I guess it was Illinois, it, it, it hit the Mississippi River, picked up a whole bunch of water, and then when, when it got to the Missouri side, it dropped all the water and uh, it petered out because it, I guess that wrecked the whatever what'sy tornadoes run on. Mm. So, <clears throat> I mean, but then again, I mean, with modern meteorology, despite its faults, uh, we have uh, we would know if a tornado was happening uh, before a fish fall occurs, and there were no tornadoes recorded that I'm aware of. If a tornado happens in the forest and no one's around to hear it or see it, yeah, I mean, so so no one really knows what caused it, and it's not all that uncommon. But let's take our middle of the show break here. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 12:40 a.m. 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful but dreary Blackstone Valley. We haven't seen the sun this whole year. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we'll return to our questions from listeners very shortly. Stick with us. We'll be right back. The night is alive. Join us and take a walk on the weird side when you tune in to The Kingdom of Nye, hosted by Heather Wade the finest in late night talk. Listen live free weeknights starting at 9 p.m. Pacific time at thekingdomofnigh.com, talkstreamlive.com, and the Paranormal Radio app. Want to take a ride? Local and live at 99.5 FM. And welcome back to Behind the Paranormal on WON AM and FM here in northern Rhode Island on the second day of 2022. Uh, we're doing open lines today. And just to finish up the, the idea of the fish fall that occurred in Texarkana, Texas. Well, Texarkana is, is a, half the towns in Arkansas, half the towns in Texas. Hence the name Texarkana, right? Oh. Yeah. And, uh, really, really fascinating stuff. So, uh, but short of the tornado idea, uh, there, there, there have been mixed creature 
falls from the sky. But uh, it's much more common of just one species. So if a tornado was going over a river or a pond or a lake, why would it only pick up one species of fish? Yeah, that is kind of weird. Or a frog or toad or whatever. So there is an enduring mystery to this. And as I say, Charles Fort uh, from the early 20th century uh, really spent a lot of time documenting these things. And his uh, his his probably the the good a best a good reference book for this would be uh, the cheerily named Book of the Damned by Charles Fort, and it has a lot of these uh, examples in it. And he was very careful in his research, as far as anybody can tell. So there we are, fish falling from the sky and hitting people on the head. Mm. Uh, I've actually heard of people. Uh, there was a fish fall in England, and people actually cooked them and ate them. I was going to say you could have a fish fry. Yeah, I mean, so it's good, I suppose. Anyway, here's um, dear old Peter from Bogota, who's going to be on the show with us next week as a co-host. And uh, we're doing this ourselves because we didn't uh, expect any. Uh, it was last-minute open line. So. Indeed. What does Peter have for us this week? It's not like we have any shortage of questions. Uh, Peter writes to us, uh, Nick Redfern on your show suggested that weather may play a part in time slips. Specifically, he said either uh, white or green fog was seen in such cases. Uh, in your often mentioned land surveyor's case, uh, what was the weather? Was there fog present? Has anyone gone back there more recently? Okay, well, I'm sure people have since that happened in 1975. Uh, that, that, in a way, kind of... Um Transitions from the last question. Uh, it does. Because the, the fish falls, et cetera, could be weather related. At least that's one of the thoughts. It's true. So, uh, be that as it may, uh, the background of, of the case that Peter was referring to was in uh, 1975. Uh, I was um, in Vermont visiting a seminary classmate, and we were uh, sitting on his porch, and two fellows drove up in a pickup truck, and they turned out to be surveyors. Uh, who worked uh, together, and they were they wanted to see me because they had a really weird case uh, that, of something uh, you'd call it, I guess, a, a time slip or a disappearing building that had happened to them down in Johnson, Vermont, mm. and uh, that's uh, documented in my uh, uh, book of uh, Footsteps in the Attic. And uh, they took me down there the next day. And what happened was they had been uh, walking uh, in preparation for a survey of a large tract of land owned by uh, a farmer, and they had been coming down a hill, and they had been relying on the U.S. Geodetic Survey maps, which have the buildings actually in little block form, even at the time, they would have them uh, on the map. And they saw one that was not on the map. It was down at the bottom of a hill by a dirt road, and it looked like an old farmhouse. It hadn't had never been painted uh, there were clothes hanging on a clothesline, but there were no wires running through it. There were no cars in the yard, nothing you'd expect to see at a, uh, a rural household. And they got down to the road, and a man was walking around the corner of the house with an axe over his shoulder. He looked very, you know, Grizzly Adams, rugged type guy. And uh, they called to him. They wanted to know where his property lines were. And he acted as though he didn't. He, he heard something, but he couldn't quite place what he was hearing. And he kind of looked around and as if he didn't even see them. So they were kind of creeped out by this time. And I remember one of the fellows saying that uh, there are still some pretty strange people who live in these hills. Mm. So <laughs> they uh, they retreated. And then when they came back to do the actual survey, it was like two days later, the house was gone. 
there was evidence of a very, very old fire that might have taken place. There were even plants around it, like uh, old fire sites. And uh, and they were always at the, the surveyors are always in town halls, uh, you know, looking for records and uh, deeds and all this sort of the property lines and all that business. Uh, and uh, the fellow happened who was in the Johnson town happened to run into a record of a house that had burned down. Uh, I think it might have been in the newspaper or something that burned down in 1910 on that spot. So they were really you know, blown away by this. They don't know what happened. So so that's the background, and they wanted to get my opinion on what was going on. And at this point, I really hadn't arrived at the multiverse idea yet because everything I was seeing didn't fit the old dead people kind of ghost spiritual thing mm. that everybody believed, and I was working on some new ideas. And th- this was one of the things that helped push me toward uh, some other ideas other than spiritualist ideas on what was really going on in this. So the weather, uh, I, I did ask them that. Uh, the weather was clear. There was nothing going. It wasn't even very windy. And uh, I was there uh, with them, and it was still clear because I didn't have that same experience. Uh, so, But I know what um, uh, Peter is referring to because uh, I, I, there are examples. There was one example in of a, of a family uh, driving a car. This is in the 1970s. Uh, drove a car into a fog in Virginia, and they were going on vacation. And uh, all of a sudden, they came out of the fog like 10 minutes later, and they were in Georgia, and all the paint had been stripped off the car. So what the hay that was about, I don't know. But there are many examples of people literally disappearing and appearing somewhere else, uh, and uh, of uh, apparent time slips that have happened in, uh, in weird weather conditions. But and, and not in the case of this, this Vermont house, uh, as, as far as I'm um, aware, and, I, and as I say, I asked them about that, and I myself didn't run into any strange weather. So it's, uh, But it's a good point, Peter. Uh, ben? I mean, it, it makes me think of, um, I don't know, it, it makes me wonder if it's fog at all. Maybe it's not fog. Maybe it's something else. Maybe. Maybe it's yeah. like, you know, electrically charged air molecules or something. Yeah, which plasma. Would be, which would be plasma. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's it, it makes you wonder because if it if it has a lot to do with electromagnetics in the material sense, then perhaps it is – it might not be fog at all, which is why you have cases where, you know, it's it's not always consistent. I think the problem is the it's not <laughs> – it's not always consistent. And right. I, that's that's the that's the big problem is trying to find parallels between things and say okay well this happened here and this happened here therefore this must be the reason but yet you have cases like the land surveyors where it's like okay well there was no fog it was a clear day so it's like okay well there's no you know that there's there's no consistency so it makes you wonder okay well what are the factors that make it consistent and I think that's the problem is there's there's a hard time with anything in the study of this this particular realm where there's not a lot of consistency. You're right, yeah. Well, for example, one of the most bizarre cases that I remember from uh, the 80s was a group group of people jogging in England, mm. and I spoke with them, and uh, the fellow who was in front, there were, there were five of them, and the fellow who was in front suddenly tripped, and there was nothing for him to trip over, he just tripped, and this is on a rural road, and he fell forward and disappeared, and he was never found. 
It was a perfectly clear day, a little breezy, but nothing, you know, uh, spectacular. And, uh, again, uh, not foggy or anything of that kind. Now, speaking of the fog, uh, plasma, and that's a good point, Ben. Plasma can look like fog. We have photographs of that. Mm. So, I mean, that's that's a possibility as well. Well, because it makes you think, right? Like, um, you know, everybody loves to, to look at the Bermuda Triangle, and mm. it's like, you know, you have yeah, all... I've been there. Right, exactly, where you have all these weird things happening, or maybe not so weird, maybe just stuff that just kind of happens, you know? Like, you know, fighter jets flying through, and then all of a sudden this dense fog appears, and then they disappear completely, or you have, you know ghost ships or something like that where they tend to appear out of a fog but is it fog is is the question well that's a perfect example of what you just said uh the the cases from there now when i was there that was 1984 it was very weird weather okay there are strange magnetic conditions uh this is in i was in the line of duty i was in the coast guard one of the large ships uh, we were deployed uh, after the uh, Grenada thing was, had happened in Grenada invasion happened. In, that happened in '83. We were deployed in '84 at, at the end of that uh, to kind of see what there was to see. And I was on the bridge of the ship, and uh, the quartermaster, who was the like one who kept the ship on course, uh, said, uh, "Wow, look at look at this!" It really used a little more colorful phrase than that, but. Uh, the, the huge ship's compass was was spinning, and um, it only lasted for a second. But the, but the captain, who had a lot of experience, obviously, because he really wouldn't have been the captain if he didn't, uh, said, oh, that, that'll land in, in just a second. And uh, it did. But you, you still had a U.S. warship with no navigation for a few seconds, which... Even in a, in a few seconds, that, that can make a... That makes a huge difference. In, in a, yeah, it could be a real danger for any vessel. Yeah. Uh, but uh, with no fog, it was just it just happened. But, but magnetic anomalies are not unknown at all in the areas like that. Now, one of the things with the Bermuda Triangle, yeah, things disappear, things appear, this happens, that happens. But it is one of the most traveled shipping lanes in the world. Everything is in there. Mm. Uh, simply the, the the planes flying in and out of Miami from Europe or South America, every which where, have to pretty much go through that. And so you're going. So you know, with, with a huge amount of traffic, you're going to have mishaps and weird things that happen. Yeah. Everybody will say, "Aha! Look at this." Uh, the same thing in the Philippine area. There's a triangle, mm. <clears throat> and there are, there are triangles all over the place. So. Uh, I think a fact that we have to consider is simply the amount of traffic that goes through there. Right. Things are going to happen. Yeah, so, no, no, 100%. I, I'm not, I agree. Uh, I'm not saying it, it's not weird, but just you have to consider these other factors. Right. So now, so the the takeaways are, is it fog and other factors? <laughs> right. So who knows? So, so but as you say, it's inconsistent. We really don't know. Right. Which is why I would rely a lot on geotechnic factors, mm. uh, such as, you know, the... There's a weird geology under some, you know, and the Bermuda Triangle is the uh, the uh, one of volcanic the, vents, right? Yeah, well, yeah, and one of the trenches, uh, the Puerto Rico Trench, I believe, mm. which is w- way deep. Yeah, I was just I was just thinking, you know, they were taking a shower on the ship. You have to take sea showers. You you turn the water on just because there's there's never enough water, you know, right? Uh, for for the whole crew and these old. Well, it was an older ship built in the '60s. And I was thinking, gee, there's like two miles of water underneath me as I do this. 
That's terrifying. And uh, I would think of that, and every time I got in a government uh, aircraft, as I would think this was built by the lowest bidder. <laughs> and, uh, I'm weird that way. I think of stuff like that. So in any case, uh, it, it is a very strange area, but I think geotechnics has a lot to do with it. I mean, other, uh, most people go through there and nothing happens at all. Mm, true. Uh, I saw some weird weather phenomena, stuff like that, but, uh, you know, uh, our ship didn't disappear as far as I know. Ah. At eh. least uh, the government might have noticed that. But <laughs> Maybe. In any case. So uh, there we have it. We just really don't know. Uh, so here is a question. Uh, probably get time. Yeah, from, yeah, we got uh, time. From uh, Richard Eno, our uh, esteemed cousin and sometime co-host uh, from uh, California. Our show is Northern California Reporter. And yes. And what does Richard have to say? Uh, Richard writes to us, Happy New Year, and Happy New Year to you, too, cousin. Well, hopefully. Um, uh, what do you what do you find cousins say about God influencing us through extraterrestrials? For example, some spectacle uh, that we were uh, or some speculate that we were given the um, microphalan around forty five thousand years ago, which fundamentally changed our brains. Uh, from that point forward, uh, there seems to have been a burst in imagination and creativity, uh, which gave way to ritualistic behavior, music, the concept of gods, etc. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on on God's influence through extraterrestrials? If so, how does that fit into the Bible? The Bible, I should say. I was making a joke. That's a, it's it's an old joke from high school. Well, an, a, a simple question from Richard here. Uh, this kind of brings us full circle to what we started with: um, God influencing us through extraterrestrials. Uh, that's a difficult one to get your hand around. There, there are those who might say that the early concepts of God were caused. By extraterrestrials, um, my uh, wife, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give, give an unpopular opinion. I'm gonna say that's very much influenced by um, modern day ultra materialism. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's kind of like you know com- it, it comes back to the religions tacked on. It doesn't matter, you know. Mm-hmm. Aliens built everything. Who cares? You know, whatever. And you know, uh, our ancestors weren't stupid. They were not. They were not stupid. They, <laughs> I d- although granted, um, it is weird that you do have have all these. You know, out of nowhere, you kind of just get power tools and stuff like that. But you know, it's it's talked about in ancient texts. Mm. You know, they weren't stupid. They came. They had these stories. They wrote them down. They interpreted it how they experienced it. But now, us as enlightened modern people who are all miserable and stressed out all the time, <laughs> we we are the smart ones, and we know. Oh well, you know they're dumb. They couldn't have done it themselves. They must they must have been aliens. Mm-hmm. And I I think that that's entirely unfair. Um, I I do think that there are forces that you know exist in the world that have influenced us because everything influences us, right? Everything from our environment, you know, regardless of of human beings involved with it or not, or even our thoughts, you know, every everything influences us. You know, if you want to say extraterrestrials, right? Yeah, I, I like that he's being specific, and, <laughs> and he's not saying, well, something influenced us. He picked extraterrestrials specifically. We we'd have to go back to to two two fundamental assumptions, right? So one would be. Um, We'd, we'd have to go under the assumption that, okay, well, extraterrestrials exist and they, they visit us. Okay. Uh, then the second one would be that, you know, humans wouldn't have gotten here today without them. You know, evolution and all that stuff. It's – the problem is we don't know. You know, all all we have 
is is data that that we work with and i i think one of the one of the problems with modern day materialism is that okay well science can tell us everything and it's like well kind of because you still need to interpret data you know it's like um one of the four sort of you know pillars of of knowledge and understanding in the ancient world was doxa which was you know because you had scientific scientific knowledge you had knowledge of maths and sciences and then you had technical knowledge knowledge of self and then you had doxa which roughly translates to knowledge of public opinion yeah, and greek word yes greek for basically it, it it could be interpreted in a couple of different ways because greek unlike english every word has like multiple meanings so it's like you know i mean we do have words that we use in contexts that mean different things you know like you can say there, 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 and there, and they mean all different things, but they're all spelled differently. So it's like here we have have doxa, which is essentially knowledge of public opinion and interpretation, right? So it's like you can get all this data, you know, you can you can say okay, well, x amount of people like coffee, x amount of people don't like coffee. So you have that data, right? So it's like okay, x amount of people, well. Let's not go with, like, they drink coffee. X amount of people don't drink coffee. Okay, so we have that. And we have, okay, well, X amount of people, you know, have experienced benefits. Here's the data from said benefits, you know, um, regular heart rate, blah, 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 blah. And we're given all this data, right? But the problem is we're given all this raw data and we still have to interpret it. And how do we get our interpretations? Through our opinions. So we take the data that we have and then we interpret and it's like, uh, unfortunately, when you say that there's a knowledge of public opinion, people say, well, it's just subjective, it's opinion, it doesn't matter. And it's like, well, it does, because we're interpreting it. Because there is data, yeah, yeah, there's concrete data, we know it's there, but the problem is it needs to be interpreted. So here's, so my, my very roundabout point is this, is that we have very, 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 very little data, because we don't know the essence of events that happened. Well, I think the, the essence, too, of Richard's question is uh, theoretical, and we have to define our terms, as we always say. Right. Uh, what do you mean by extraterrestrials? I mean, people from other planets, non-people from other planets, you know, from parallel worlds, both, neither. Does it have to be planets? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. Uh, now, there's that, and there's the question about God influencing us through extraterrestrials. What do you mean by God? I mean, if you ask anybody, they're going to have different, you know, some old man with a beard sitting in the sky. I mean, somehow it's always the sky gods. I find that fascinating. Mm. Uh, but nevertheless, what do you mean? He, she, it, or them, and none of the above. Uh, but however, I think with the typical human belief uh, it would be perhaps in a personal God, you know, who cares, mm. regardless of what, his or her or whatever essence is uh, and um, could this being influence us through extraterrestrials well theologically everything has to do with God uh, even in the sort of two dimensional Thomistic approach that the West takes uh, you, you would have you know you have the first cause you know uh, they would uh, St. Thomas Aquinas would, would prove the existence of God uh, by saying things like, well, something had to 
set everything in motion. You have a first cause. Uh, of course, that raises other questions. Because quantum mechanics, with what it has done to time, has kind of blown that all out of the water. And but provided evidence for God in other ways, you know. So, I mean, uh, you don't even know. As I say, you're crazy just thinking about this stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, from a, a a common, ordinary point of view, theologically, I would say sure, God could influence us. Uh, it does through everything, including extraterrestrials, if they really are mm. extraterrestrials. Uh, and he mentions the uh, the microcephalon incident <laughs> about forty five thousand years ago. Well, certainly, uh, and we've mentioned this many times on the show. In 2004, when they finally mapped the human genome, there were 223 genes that should not have been there if our normal understanding of human development and evolution, etc., is correct. Where did they come from? Uh, did somebody mess with us in a good way or a bad way? Uh, but I, And I think that our experience of the multiverse is that we're, we're not isolated in this world or any other world but that there are influences and energies and sometimes beings that go back and forth. It's an open system. So, yeah, somebody might have messed with it. We just don't know. There's circumstantial evidence something like that happened. So, yeah, I mean, certainly uh, from as far as it can go, yeah, I think you answer uh, yes to Rick's question. But, I mean, there are all kinds of caveats and and possible other meanings that that would would, uh, have to be included there. So... I mean, the burst of imagination and creativity. Why is it that 8,000 years ago, it seemed like one week, the ancestors of the Sumerians were hunter-gatherers, and then you know, a month later they were lawyers and doctors and, and uh, sophisticated ag- agriculturalists. And I mean, what's that about? How did that happen? Ah, yeah, that's you know, a good question. But uh, in my books, I talk about parasite <laughs> influence as well. And uh, to me, the, they're aliens, although not in the common sense of the word, uh, demons is what they're known uh, as in folklore, and they, and they fill that bill. Mm. So it's complicated, I think. So it is true. It's it's not a simple yes or no, unfortunately. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> so I mean, if I if I, I'll take twenty seconds to very very quickly um, to say, I, I think I think it's an important to keep in mind that. You know, for for whatever reason, if that if that did happen, we're gonna put a little if yeah asterisk on it. That um, you know, it it happened already, and there's not much we can do about it. It's uh, <laughs> well, all I can suggest is is that uh, people, you know, I don't mean to do a sales pitch here, but if you want to know about this, we deal with this in our 2016 book, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know Is Wrong, from Schiffer Books. It's in the bookstores still, and uh, it sells uh, selling pretty consistently, from what I understand, and it's um, uh, also available on Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. It's uh, behind the paranormal. Everything you know is wrong by Paul and Ben Eno. So um, we deal with this in in there. So for what it's worth. So uh, thank you to everyone who wrote in questions, uh, and we will uh, put the ones we didn't get to until next week. And 
Let's uh, start with our announcements. Indeed. And we look forward to the Supernatural Bowl debate on February 4th at the Pine Bush UFO and Paranormal Museum in Pine Bush, New York, and to the New England Parafest in Kittery, Maine, which runs from April 10th through the 26th. That's in, that's uh, this year. So in, in a couple of months, we'll provide more information as these dates approach. Yeah, and uh, all this is COVID-dependent, of course, uh, and we'll just uh, hope for the best, right? Mm, yes. 2022, what could go wrong? Uh, and after years of tech problems, all regular recorded radio broadcasts of this show, Behind the Paranormal, from CBS Radio, Achieve Radio, and here on WON AM and FM, have been restored in the archives uh, in full at BehindTheParanormal.com, our show site. Uh, we also fully restored the uh, Return to Rendlesham series from 2010 to 2011 uh, from CBS Radio and all related shows, along with the Achieve Radio monthly two-hour specials from 2009. Uh, a couple of others still have to be restored, but the, both of them are in there. Uh, also hear many of these broadcasts on the major podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Uh, also, you are welcome to go to uh, BehindTheParanormal.com, the main page, to download our our show app. Uh, it's very simple, but it's free. I mean, what do you want for nothing? Uh, right now, it just has uh, most of our past, uh, most recent past shows, and there are links to the videos, uh, from the station here and also the uh, the audios and download. You, you can pretty much uh, access those shows with that, and it's uh, it's free, as we say. Uh, BehindTheParanormal.com main, main page has a link. And speaking of BehindTheParanormal.com, you can check out our books along with those of our guest co-hosts at our show website, uh, where you can also find out more about the show, our many cases over the years, our public appearances, and how to book us, along with our 900-plus free recorded shows, uh, now restored, as my dad mentioned. And our website has a charity page. We urge you to go to that. And, and we emphasize that we have checked out these charities very thoroughly, and we know the people who actually run them, and we trust them, and it goes where it, it uh, should be, uh, where the money should go. Uh, most recently, uh, Team Western Kentucky Tornado Relief Fund. Uh, there is a link to that on our page, and we urge you to support that in any way you can. Also, uh, Hope for Hilldale Cemetery in Haverhill, Massachusetts, uh, restoration there. Uh, USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Haiti's Orphans, Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles, Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America, and the Sisterhood of Ground Zero, along with the Milk Fund uh, here in northern Rhode Island, which is pretty much around Christmas time. Mm. So uh, what do we have lurking in the shadows for next week, then? Ah, the shadow knows. Uh, on G- January 9th, uh, we have a scheduled open line show, unlike this week, uh, with our guest co-host, Peter Shelley, uh, joining us to help tackle questions on paranormal subjects of the day. Yes, and you can get those questions to us on our Facebook pages, uh, Behind the Paranormal, Paul Menino, or Paul, you know, my personal Facebook page, uh, or you can send them uh, by email to paul at behindtheparanormal.com, and uh, we will try to get you into the lineup for uh, next week. Indeed, there there is no shortage of ways to get in contact. No, but nevertheless, people complain it's hard to get into I don't know, the life <laughs> of the 21st century. Indeed. Anyway, we leave you today with a deep thought from, of all people, Ellen DeGeneres. The only thing that scares me more than space aliens is the idea that there aren't any space aliens. We can't be the best that creation has to offer. Anyway, I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we shall see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. 
return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.